a madman? Are you paranoid? Are you an entrepreneur? Oh, you fucking dress up, you have to cancel, you start walking from the forest. I think that's far weakness than it. It's part of a deal. Welcome to the Lot One Pack Here podcast. My name is Lee, also known as Bewildered Bee, and with me I have Alice. Hi, I'm Alice, um, disciple of Yogsafoth. <laughs> and Alex. Hi, I'm Alex, and I've been silenced. I'm currently in jail. Lee put me in jail and won't let me talk. Yeah, everyone. They won't everyone let me talk. Isn't... They won't let me talk. I am being silenced. You can't hear me. Alex is going to have a uh, Netflix special called Triggered and Cancelled out in a few months about how yeah. they can talk. I'm so, I'm, so, I'm so persecuted. Please give me money. My no fee is at the bottom. Yeah. In this episode, I'm holding my two co-hosts hostage and I'm making them listen to me talk about the Norwegian black metal scene for hours on end. It's going to be very fun. Yeah, so this has been like a subject I've been fascinated by for like almost 10 years at this point. Like literally, I was like preteen, 11 years old, perusing articles and fucking watching documentaries about this shit. So I'm, I'm very excited to finally have like an outlet where I can share all my research on this subject because there is so much going on here. Lots to unpack, Consi- if consider you will. This is fer- consider this as therapy. <laughs> so this episode kind of an emotional roller coaster the funny stuff here is really funny but the bad stuff here is pretty damn bad to the point where it's almost certainly gonna be darker than the gg episode oh oh no yeah i'm gonna give content warnings as needed when things get especially bad but there's also just gonna be quite a bit of dark stuff throughout the episode even outside those content warnings So, before we get into this, I should try to give a quick definition of what black metal even is, and what sets it apart from the millions of other subgenres of metal. Black metal is one of, if not the most, extreme subgenre of metal. Hallmarks of the genre are raw and distorted production, a vocal style that can best be described as shrieking, the heavy use of Satanist themes, and uh, some intense live shows. Another common feature that I'm particularly fond of is the use of pseudonyms, which we will soon get into. So the genre was heavily influenced by 80s extreme metal bands like Venom, Bathory, and Celtic Frost, but where black metal really was born was in Norway. And this episode will focus on its most influential and infamous band, Mayhem. Sweet. So I, I feel like I, I feel like that I'm like sitting in in a in a lecture hall and Lee is like <laughs> a lecturer. This feels this feels like like cozy and informative, but also a little daunting and scary. This is bringing back <laughs> memories. <laughs> that's that's the vibe I'm going for. <laughs> Look, so um, mayhem. That's a very that's a very like edgy preteen name. I'm just saying. They were teens when they founded the band. Oh my fucking god! Is is the band? Is this band literally the Shadow of the Hedgehog OC? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, they are 
they are very edgy and they try hard to be very edgy, but I, I do quite like their music. I think there's like a genuineness to their edge instead of like tryhard mostly. There's one EP that is like so tryhard edgy that it becomes cringy, but besides that, I think most of their stuff is like good edge, I guess. Okay, so on a scale from Linkin Park to Gigi Allen, like how much would they be on an edge scale? Um, they would be beyond Gigi Allen. Oh wow! Okay, we've broken the probably scales. Uh, in some respects. I think they're at, at least at the level of Gigi Allen. There are there are a lot of Gigi Allen parallels in here that become You're obvious. Soon. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. <laughs> so you're practicing you're gonna... for your black metal album, Alice. You're yeah, thinking of becoming uh, a vocalist. Hey, uh, let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. The thing, thing I gotta point out, though, I'm I'm not being a bit like, um, actually here, but the sort of deep guttural growling is more associated with death metal. Black metal oh, has right. a more like throaty sort of shrieking noise that's a bit lighter, typically. I know I'm being very um actually, but I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but how can you even tell the difference? <laughs> it sounds very different. One is much deeper than the other, but one is very guttural. The other is very throaty. Um. I'll take your word for it. I mean, <laughs> I what? I mean, it feels like You've a Chapo episode. <laughs> it, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I want to do it. I want to try and do it, but I can't. I can't get my voice. Freaking yeah. Okay. Right. I mean. Okay. I don't know. Fine. It's just starting to get like it might actually hurt your throat because you're. <laughs> oh, that that oh noise God. is more. That noise is more like black metal. The sort of more <laughs> in the there than the thing you were doing previously was more death metal. Just, just that's, that's the difference. Flem, just load. You need more phlegm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. You sound like Gal from Gorgoroth. <laughs> 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 Alice, I beg you, you're gonna hurt your lungs. <laughs> See, this is black metal. This is very black metal. Yeah, very black okay. metal. Okay, right, cool. Uh, you've got our genres right. Okay, uh, well, there's, there's my voice gone. Uh, so, um, uh, so, Lee, tell us about this uh, black metal. Right, so Mayhem was founded in 1984 by Eusten Arsef, along with Jörn Stubberud and Chetil Mannheim. Eusten and Jörn, being the massive edgelords that they were, went by the stage names of Destructor and Necrobutcher. Okay, I wasn't prepared for Necrobutcher. Like, you know, I See, that's why I love Black Metal Cinnamon. Yeah. They're amazing. <laughs> Wait, so why not? Wait, why, why Necro Butcher? Like, aren't the things that Butcher's cut already dead? Aren't all <laughs> Look, I, I don't know if he really knows what that means or if he's thought a lot about it. It was just a name he thought was cool as a did, teenager. Really. Did he use a name generator? Because that's what I do Possible. when I need a name for RPGs. Possible. He might have just put like a bunch of like black metal terms into a hat, shuffled it around, picked up two words. It's very plausible. 
Right, so they went by the stage name of Destructor and Necrobutcher, but Arsef would soon change his stage name from Destructor to Euronymous after the mythological demon of the same name. Fun fact, the way he spells Euronymous is actually a misspelling. And oh. it's the exact same misspelling that appeared in the Satanic Bible. So no oh. points for guessing that he just read that book in his basement as a teenager and got it from there. I'm not kidding about the part of him reading it in his basement. They admit that they had I mean, book, book clubs where they read the Satanic Bible as teens. I mean, I know, I know a lot of um, of these stories will probably take place in uh, their parents' basements. So you know, that's not yeah, a apparently. Shock to me. Apparently, they were doing they were doing Satanic Bible like book clubs in um, in Euronymous' basement, and Euronymous' dad like went down and joined them, like set in. Just... Oh, dad! <laughs> so cool. <laughs> What you doing there, son? Are you winning, son? <laughs> Are you winning, son? We're yeah. summoning Satan, Dad. Jeez. Yeah. So, aside from Mayhem's obvious inspirations, like Venom, Bathory, Celtic Frost, etc., they also cite punk as an influence. Less so in terms of the music, and more so in terms of the attitude. Mayhem wanted to shock people. They wanted to be infamous. Even before they'd ever produced a single song, they were going around bragging about their concept, how extreme and controversial they were going to be, uh. how they were going to be the best band in the world. Oh my! That was like Euronymous thing. He he went around and said everyone else sucked, and he was like the only good person at what he did, and Mayhem was the only good band, and they hadn't even produced a single song. You know, I, I I'm actually upset at how familiar this is. To, <laughs> you know. Not just my teenage experience, but everyone yeah. else's teenage experience. And oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it, I'm just surprised that they actually made it so that they're famous, you know? Yeah, that's the weird part, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they started a band as a bunch of uh, edgelord teenagers, and then they actually pulled it off and started like a subgenre. Well, there was bound to be one, you know, out of the millions of teenagers who do exactly <laughs> this. So, um... Do you know the nine satanic statements? Uh, no, I don't. Maybe if you'd asked me when I was like 14 years old, I might have known them, but not Satan anymore. Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. This is from Satan. the Bible, right? Satanic Bible? Yeah. yeah. Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Satan represents undefined wisdom instead of hypothetical self-deceit. Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it, instead of the no. love wasted on ingrates. In ingrates? Ingrates, yeah. Yeah. Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. <laughs> Satan oh. represents responsibility for the responsible, instead of concern for psychic vampires. Satan <laughs> represents man as just another animal sometimes better more often worse than those who walk on all fours satan kind of based though yeah i that seems kind of mild for satan to be honest from what i'm hearing it's like <laughs> yeah you know respect people a bit unless they're assholes it's like that i seems, mean yes yeah, yeah. satanic bible is anthony lavey and lavey's thing is like his satanism isn't actual satanism it's just atheism with an edgy aesthetic yeah. They don't like actually worship Satan at all. I, it's just I can, like I can respect that. Satan represents this edgy individualist atheism. It's just that kind of thing. Yeah. 
let me get to number eight and nine. Satan represents all of the so-called sins, as they all lead to physical, mental, and emotional gratification. <laughs> Satan has become the best friend of the church has ever had, as he in business all these years. <laughs> so fucking care bear Satan now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, that's not even edgy. It's just sort of. You know, Satan, you know, Satan helps old ladies across the road. <laughs> not because it's nice, but because it's necessary. Yes, exactly. So, by 1988, Mannheim, the drummer, had left the band and was replaced first by some dude called Torben Glue and then by John Axel Blumberg, better known as Hell Hellhammer. Not to be confused with the band Hellhammer. This kind of starts the trend of them switching like band members a lot. They cannot maintain a, a lineup for long. Getting very Gigi Allen vibes here. As evidenced by the fact that they also went through three different vocalists during those four years. But they all mm. left for one reason or another. But then they found their man, a Swede named Per Ingve Olin, better known as Dead. Yes, that is his stage name. It's literally just dead. So, as his audition, he had sent them a package containing a demo tape along with a crucified mouse. So, he seemed pretty promising right off the bat. Yeah, this is the kind of shit that loves pulling, as we'll see. I mean, he knows his audience, I guess. Yeah, he does. I, but apparently, like, I, I don't remember which one of them received it, whether it was, uh, I think it was Necrobutcher, and he immediately just sort of threw away everything except the tape. Like, nope, this shit's all fucking disgusting. I don't want it. What a wuss, though. Come on. I was thinking that he was going to keep the mouse, you know, as like saying, yeah, he's our guy, you know, just showing it, saying, hey, that new sound, look at this. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to need to talk a bit about Dead, because there was a lot going on in the least fun way possible with this guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, several content me, warnings Are here. you telling me that the guy who crucified a dead mouse and sent it in a, to, with his CV had some issues going on? Oh, he had so many fucking Shocked. issues. And not Shocked. in a fun way at all. So, um, content warning mainly for uh, self-harm and suicidality here. If you're sensitive to either of those topics, there's going to be timestamp in the description. Mm. Right, so Per Pelle Olin was born in Haninge, Sweden in 1996. So, as a child, he reportedly suffered from a serious case of sleep apnea, a condition wherein the sufferer experiences pulses in breathing while asleep. According to him, this condition made him feel like he was at death's door every night, even as like a four-year-old. And at the tender age of 10, Pelle really would be on Death's Door. Beyond it, even. He got into this accident where his spleen ruptured and he suffered internal bleeding. He was rushed to a hospital and for a time he was clinically dead. Hence the name, dead. Yeah, yeah, this event would come to define his life as he felt like he never really stopped being dead. Hence the name, dead. Wait, he he didn't stop being dead? He felt like he didn't stop being dead. It felt like it, okay. Yeah, he felt like he never stopped being dead after that. He felt like he had sort of 
died, got into another dimension, and when he came back, he didn't really belong in this one anymore. Oof. Yeah, fucking rough. Yeah, there is like a, I think a clinical term for that sort of yeah, thing. It's, right? um, yeah, it's Cotard's delusion. Some like authors speculate that he might have suffered from it, and that seems pretty credible. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, like you know, having the sleep apnea plus the like accident yeah. that took out his spleen. One might there are two logical conclusions that we can get of here. So one, I am immortal. <laughs> I cannot die. Okay. Number two. That which is dead cannot die. That's number two. Yeah. Yeah, that's number two. So, like, logically speaking... Um... Don't encourage him. Uh, yeah, there, there's the, the two genders. It's immortal or <laughs> what is dead cannot die. Yeah, yeah. that's are the two genders, yes. So, uh... Dead was intensely depressed for most of his life, and he engaged in a number of self-harming behaviors, including cutting and starving himself. He also generally did his best to surround himself with dead things, or things that reminded him of death. He collected these, like, dead animals he found, and he slept with dead birds under his bed so he could smell their death and rot. Extremely normal shit. Okay. Yeah, he also had like a plastic bag he used to carry around with a dead crow in it. What? What? Uh, what, to... what? Yeah, what? yeah, he had a plastic bag he used to carry around with a dead crow in it. It's very what, normal like, stuff. What, like, like a lunchbox or something? Like, what this is just what I like. What? No, like a plastic Why? bag. A bag, and like... he used to inhale it for inspiration. What? And he used to inhale from it for inspiration. A stench of death game of inspiration. It's all extremely normal stuff, Alex. All musicians do this. It's yeah, extremely normal. Yeah, yeah. For inspiration, I have a nice cup of tea. <laughs> well, having a nice cup of tea is fucking cowherd shit right there. You need to collect carcasses and inhale their stench. The stench it's of true. death. It's true. That's the real shad shit right there. Do you think they have any air wicks that are like dead crow scent? <laughs> to inspire people. Hmm. Not a half bad idea. I can't really comment too much on this guy's. I thing. knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna say, bring it up. <laughs> Continue, okay. Alex. Oh, vulture culture stuff. Yes. Um. So I I found a skull and I um I did some vulture culture stuff to it. It's a it's a dog skull and it just like um it like attached itself to my foot while I was walking down. The docks. Of, it attached uh, itself to your foot. Yeah. Right. So okay. Okay. So like I was, I was just looking over like to the harbor, like on this hill kind of thing, and then like my um, I felt someone on my foot, and I was like, oh fuck, that's a skull. Holy shit. <laughs> like, like, that, that is terrifying. To be fair, it's probably like you know, take me home, mummy. Alice, between Alice, between all this and the chanting in the woods, are you sure you're not a black metal vocalist? Are you like a hundred percent sure? I can neither confirm nor deny these accusations. <laughs> um, but uh, so, like, I um, I did like the stuff that you do with vulture So basically, bleach the skull. I know I was meant to use my toxic dioxide, but honestly, I don't have 
one, I don't have a lab to do that, and two, I don't have the things for that, so we're just using Domestus. I put it on my... And I hear the police sirens in the distance. Yeah, they're uh, coming for you for this one. I, uh, I put the um, I put the skull on my dresser, which I have a mirror, um, and I also place my candle there. Uh, it's basically an altar. I mean, I, I mean, the evidence is mounting. The evidence, yeah, is the mounting, evidence Alice. is fucking mounting on here. Yeah, I like. I tried to go like aesthetically. It's more like cottage quarry rather than death metal. Uh, like black metal. Excuse you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing this for your own safety, Alice. Black metal people don't like it when you call them death metal. They fucking hate it. There was this, like, intense rivalry between, like, Norwegian black metal people and Swedish death metal people. People just threatening to kill each other back and forth. Holy shit. It is this intense, like... It's an intense rivalry. Black metal yeah. people do not like being called death metal. Just be careful, Alice. Right, okay. Oh, wait, um... Yeah. But anyway, um... Yeah, so I, I have a skull called Corinthia that I have set up to my patron of Dionysus. Uh, right. And you also subscribe to an obscure religion that's not around anymore. The evidence is fucking mounting. I mean, this is becoming like the Alice Intervention podcast. Like, yeah. these are all... <laughs> these are all very suspicious things, Alice. <laughs> Yeah. We're all putting it together now. Let's see if we can find any other correlations as well. Strongly identifies with um, an animal often associated with uh, being like trickstery uh, and also according to some like, some myths uh, also can shapeshift. Maybe I am just like an elder entity in a human suit. No, I think you're just a furry. <laughs> uh, so we continue with this, uh, this, uh... Dead fellow, dead. yeah. Yeah, dead, yeah. This dead fellow. I love him. I like his name. So, during shows, Dead would wear clothes that he'd kept buried in the ground for days beforehand, so they got the smell of death on them, uh, getting sense uh, of trend with this guy. Yeah, yeah, I get this. This guy is really committing to the bit. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely is committing to the bit. He'd also wear corpse paint, something that he's credited with popularizing, if not inventing. What is corpse paint? What is corpse paint? Good question. Corpse paint is a style of black and white face paint heavily associated with black metal. Oh. Uh, although Dead was, of course, not the first in the metal world to use black and white paint. He was the first who used it with the intent of making himself look like a corpse. He didn't want to look cool or evil, he just wanted to look like a corpse. So I'm gonna post that image of Dead wearing his signature corpse paint in the chat. That will also be available down in the description. Huh. It doesn't quite look like a corpse with those big things, but yeah, I see it. I can see it. Seems like a nice lad. Uh, he does. It's not super prominent this picture, but you can see it a bit that he does like draw like gray lines from his nose. That's supposed to be like snot coming down. It's supposed to look like a corpse, like not not especially cool or anything like that. Just like a corpse. Oh, honey, you need to see a mortician. That's not <laughs> not quite accurate. It's his no, own stylized take. 
know. No. It won't be an open casket. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. So, with Dead in the Band, Mayhem's concerts would come to be notorious. Dead would often cut himself on stage, once to the point where he had to be taken to a hospital afterwards. Very Gigi Allen vibes. Yeah. Also in a very Gigi Allen move, they would throw decapitated pig's heads into the audience in an attempt to weed out posers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that is one way of uh, weeding out posers. Way, yes. I must yes. stop doing that, actually. Like, <laughs> in my games group, I'm just going to, like, stop throwing animal heads, you know, to yeah. read out, you know, the, the <laughs> you know, the casuals. Anyone who runs screaming is a fucking casual poser. <laughs> so here's Ted talking about why they did this. Before we began to play, there was a crowd of about 300 in there. But in the second song, Necrolust, we began to throw around those pig's heads. Only 50 people were left. I like that. We want to scare those who shouldn't be at our concerts. And they will have to escape through the emergency exits with parts of their body missing so we can have something to throw around. If someone doesn't like blood and rotten flesh thrown in their face, they can fuck off and that's exactly what they do. All extremely normal stuff. I like this kid. Gotta, yeah. gotta be honest, I like this kid's attitude. To be yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, is it... Is it gay to be scared of like <laughs> metal metal group like throwing like uh, carrying flesh at you? Hey, you can be gay and also in a death metal group and also in a black metal group and throwing flesh at people. Just ask Gal from Gorgoroth. Oh, nice. oh, that's nice. Oh, you know, good, good for them. Yeah, now, I might be, you know, a filthy poser, but um, I don't really listen to death metal and that, but I am very... It's still not death metal, it's black metal. We're going to have a hit out on us, really. Oh yeah, you absolutely are. Look, I commit, I commit more to the black metal aesthetic in my living quarters than most other posers, so... Okay, that's probably true. Just need to get something in order. There, we just need to start setting up the watch together room here because. Oh yeah. shit! Here we Obviously, go. Not gonna show you any of the performances, but what I can do is play you some audio to give you a feel of how they sounded at this time. This is from Mayhem's live in Leipzig album, recorded live in 1990, and it's called Funeral Fog. Ah, Jesus! Turn down the volume. Oh, oh. Did you? Wait, did you oh. start? I didn't sorry, click on anything. It started me and it blasted my earlobes. Oh, oh shit, sorry, I didn't even click on anything. Okay, I've got it down, I've got it down, it's fine. Like he needs a lozenge. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what do you think? Uh, <laughs> not to my tastes, but you know, it's good. It's, you know, it, it is sounds. It is Th certainly sounds, sounds that he's yes. making. Yeah, and they're not unpleasant sounds. Uh, so is he speaking Swedish there? Uh, no, this song. <laughs> I, I don't blame you for not understanding the vocals, but this song is in English. 
Right. Okay. <laughs> I heard Transylvania. Yeah, Transylvania's one. Transylvania's yeah. in there. Right. Yeah, I got one word. That uh, wrote this song, and he likes like gothic stuff a lot, like vampires, that kind of stuff. So yeah, Transylvania. We're in Transylvania for this one. Cool. Not gonna lie, I kind of like Dead as like a little edgelord, as little edgelord. Yeah. I think I know, you know, I'm going to imagine that he had a nice life and, you know, things worked out for him. Yeah, we'll have to I see like to imagine that. that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but while their fame within Norway's underground metal scene increased, Dead's mental state was just worsening. He mm. lived in this house in the woods with Hieronymus and Hellhammer. And Hellhammer would notice that Dead spent much of his time sitting in his room and becoming more and more depressed. Even when he did spend time with his friends, things weren't always much better. On at least one occasion, he tried to cut himself while in their company, and they had to like, oh. subdue him and help patch him up. Well, it's nice they're looking after him at least, but you know, that's, that sucks. Poor yeah. Dead. Uh, this kind of stuff upset a lot of his friends, of course, but not guitarist Euronymous. Euronymous would become fascinated with dead suicidal tendencies and would go so far as to encourage him to commit suicide. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, Euronymous is... So, like, I, so the first bit of the sentence sounds like, okay, right, so, you know, Euronymous, like, understands, you know, like, ah, oh, hey, this is, like, difficult and stuff like that. I get that. <laughs> oh, no. It just, it just takes, like, a whole fucking U-turn and it's like... Oh, no, yeah. Euronymous oh. is the least sympathetic out of all of these people by far. Yeah, I know. I know. But it was just, like, that, that like, information flowed. It was just, like... Uh. It's just, it's just, it doesn't surprise me at all because he sounds like the most fucking posery of them. So of course he's gonna be like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, videotape oh. this shit." Oh, that's oh, so fucking. We're gonna cool get into, lead. we're gonna get into him being posery later. Don't you worry. Oh boy. So, uh, former Mayhem drummer Mannheim is quoted as saying, "I don't know if Eusten did it out of evil intent or if he was just messing around," and notes that Euronymous or Easton perhaps wasn't even sure himself. Uh, either way, there was certainly a lot of animosity between Dead and Euronymous. Necrobutcher says that after living together for a while, the two got on each other's nerves a lot. Once, according to their housemate Hellhammer, Dead went out to sleep in the woods because Euronymous wouldn't stop playing synth music, which Dead of course hated. <laughs> What a fucking dick. Yeah, what a fucking Jesus. dick. Euronymous, Euronymous then proceeded as Dead went out to sleep into the forest because he wouldn't stop playing synth music. Euronymous then proceeded to follow him outside and start shooting into the air with a shotgun. What, what which the is fuck? such a fucking dick move. Jesus yeah. Christ, what a fucking bellend. Yeah, that's fucking guy. Yeah, right? You know what? This is, oh, poor, poor fucking dead. I love dead. This fucking Hieronymus guy is just a fucking wanker. Yeah, kind of. Oh, I mean, I've had some shitty roommates in my time. <laughs> they, they, even, even we didn't do that. I mean, the worst that we ever did when we were in uni is like, uh, when, um, <laughs> when one of our roommates was having a, you know, a gentleman friend round. We just blasted Foxy Lady, <laughs> you know, in some amps into her room. 
Like, that's the worst thing that we ever fucking done, but we wouldn't, like, shoot at a fucking friend. Jeez. He didn't, like, shoot. I don't think he shot at dead. It's more he shot into the air to, like, keep up the loud noises and make dead unable to sleep. Still, either way, that's fucking awful. Not much better, yeah. Yeah. This is all alleged by Hellhammer, but Hellhammer seems like a semi-objective guy. He doesn't, like, really seem to like any of these people much more than the others. So I'm not sure if he'd, like, lie about this. I mean, like, given the context of, like, you know, this, like, yeah, like, I'd say, like, this is an objective source. Like, it's a third party, so, you know. Not, not all of these people will be objective. Like, the most objective source, out of all the names I'll say, is Mannheim, because he's, like, the one absolutely most normal, well-adjusted, down-to-earth person out of all of these, by far. The other all are kind of wrapped up in their own, like, their own dramas and perspectives and beefs with people. But, yeah, I don't think Hellhammer would lie about this, at least. It's a very, very particular lie. I have no reason to believe that it isn't true. <laughs> this this next part coming up, uh, this might be a lie because of the guy telling it. Uh, according to Vargvikenes, who will become very important in the story later, that one stabbed Euronymous with a knife. Ah. Well, in fairness, <laughs> in his defense. <laughs> in his defense, yes. I'd... Uh, take anything Varg says with several grains of salt, but this honestly doesn't sound entirely unlikely. I mean, Euronymous would almost kind of have it coming here for that shotgun shit he pulled. Uh, so, question. Uh, you know the salt? Like, are we putting it around Jarheim, or are we like... Around who, sorry? Uh, Jarheim, or am I getting Tinky-Winky and Dipsy. Like, <laughs> Varg Vikernes is the guy's name. Varg, yeah. Are we putting it around a Varg? Like, like I are guess we, we are. Making like yeah. a cliff. I guess. Uh, needless to say, this was not a good environment for Dead to be in. Working in a scene that encouraged his worst impulses and living with someone who kept reaffirming his death wish was certainly not helping his already tenuous mental health. What came next may have been preventable, but I don't think anyone really tried too hard to prevent it. Content warning? Obviously, timestamps for skipping oh no. is in the description. Oh, dead. Oh, dead, yeah. On the 8th of April, while left alone in the house, Pelle Olin, aka dead, committed suicide. I'll spare you the details of how he did it, but I will say that it was quite a gruesome scene. He left a suicide note that started with excuse the blood and went on to explain that Pelle wasn't human, that this was just a dream and soon he would wake. He was only 22 years old. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I really do. I didn't I actually do, I do feel genuine sadness for dead, actually. I didn't think that would happen in in such a grisly thing, but that's like. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Euronymous was the one who found the body. Uh, a normal, well-adjusted person might have an adverse reaction to finding the body of their roommate after he committed suicide, but Euronymous was unfortunately not a normal person. Before calling the police, he went to a store, bought a disposable camera, and snapped oh, some pictures of the corpse. Yeah. I, f- I fucking knew it. 
I fucking yeah, he even, that shit. He even in these pictures, he even like moved things around to get better photos, like on the scene. What a fucking stuff. prick! Yeah. Jesus, yeah, what a fucking prick! PR, this fucking PR disaster master. What a fucking hell! This but like, what he was thinking about, he was thinking about here was PR. Like, how can we, the band, use this for our image? Jesus Christ! What a fucking prick! Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, it's fine. I oh. I feel bad too. So the next day, Euronymous called Necrobutcher, the bandmate that didn't live in the house with them, and here's how he broke the news. I'm quoting what Necrobutcher says of how Euronymous said this. Dad has done something really cool. He killed himself. Yeah. Necrobutcher being a relatively normal and well-adjusted person, of course reacted with shock and grief at this news. He thought Euronymous must have lost his mind because how the hell was their friend killing himself in any way cool? But Euronymous just told him to relax because he had photos of everything. Necrobutcher was obviously disgusted with him for trying to explain Yeah, because he's shit. a normal human with relatively, human emotions. Relatively normal human, yes. Uh, and he told Euronymous to not even fucking call him before he destroyed those pictures. Normal person shit right there. I was going to say king shit, but it's more like normal person shit, really. Yeah, that's a low fucking bar right it's there. It's a low bar, but a lot of these people don't seem to meet it. People have a very callous attitude towards death here. Honestly, right now, you know, Dead is like the most sympathetic of the fucking characters, and now he's gone, so it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Euronymous did not destroy those pictures, even though he promised his only remaining bandmate, Hellhammer, that he eventually would. He instead went around and showed people the pictures, and rumors started circulating that he'd even made stew out of brain's dead, ma dead matter, brain matter, sorry, uh. and necklaces out of bits of his skull. The other band members would later deny the cannibalism rumor, but confirm the jewelry one. Apparently, Hieronymus would go oh. around handing out these morbid friendship necklaces to musicians he deemed worthy, and even gave the guitarist of Marduk a breeze of brain matter and some lead from the shotgun. Wait, 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 wait. So he did actually collect this. Oh, yeah. Fred's brain. For real. Like, it wasn't just sort of made up bullshit. No, he, he, actually... didn't, he didn't do the cannibalism, but reportedly, and a lot of people are reporting this, and I think there's even like pictures of the necklaces. He did collect like definitely like piece of cranium maybe even brain matter if we believe the guitarist of Marduk oh god that is... Euronymous is not a gr great guy to say Again, it's not it's not so much the it's not so much the grossness gore aspect of it it's like what a fucking dick like for the whole yeah. thing it's like what a fucking dick he's like you know his friend quote unquote is like you know died by his by his own hand and he contributed and Hieronymus contributed to it by all the freaking bullying and like his first thought is to not only do like a photo shoot but just collect bits of his skull to make jewellery out of like to yeah. look how edgy I am what a fucking dick I mean, yeah like, he's not a good guy I mean so like you know if Pale wanted that done with his body that would I mean, still be like really gross and weird but it wouldn't be like as morally reprehensible. Uh, it's that's not that didn't like 
say anything about what he wanted with his body, at least not as far as we know. I mean, I think maybe it's safe it's to say he didn't say that shit. Yeah, yeah I kind of do doubt it. It's um, not entirely impossible, I guess, yeah, but as far as we know, it's not, it's not something entirely impossible, but I also know that, like, okay, so Adama Adronimus? Euronymous. Euronymous. Euronymus was, like, Essentially, Pale's rival, yeah? Like, it would be dead. Pelle, yeah, yeah, dead. Uh, to a certain extent, I mean, they had... They they were initially, like, I guess, to some degree, friends. They started getting on each, other ner- each other's nerves, living together. And it's... I'm not sure if it was, like, a mutually, like, mutual rivalry more than Euronymous pulling some really weird shit. Yeah, but point is, like, the the relationship here is, like, very, it's very toxic. Like, yeah. Like, I'm guessing, like, even within the context of, like, black metal bands, this is, like, oh, yeah. really toxic. Yeah, like, a lot of people in interviews seem to find this, like, messed up what happened and what Hubronimus did. So this, like, by their standards, this is bad. Yeah. This is really bad. So, like, you know, this is not us just, like, you know, being, like... We're not being snowflakes or anything. Yeah, we're, we're not being kidding. social justice warriors here. Even other people in this scene <laughs> found this messed up. Even the other Mayhem members found this messed up. Yeah. Like, this is this is dark. Holy shit. Yeah, this is dark. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. It's gonna right, get a we... bit... This, this is the darkest part of the episode. It's gonna keep being dark, but I think this is this is the darkest part. Um, a photo of the body would eventually end up on a bootleg Mayhem live album, so that does say a lot about how much Hieronymus was spreading this shit around. Mm. Yes, yeah, side note, that picture is out there. Very easy to find even by accident if you do any sort of digging on, digging on this subject, so just a warning, if you if you do any sort of digging, you'll probably end up seeing it at least once whether you want to or not. Fucking photos fucking seared into my mind at this point, even if I'd certainly uh. prefer not to be. Yeah, not good. So, about a month after Dead's suicide, Euronymous opened a record store in Oslo called Helvete, which is Norwegian for hell. Obviously, being the edgelord he was, that's what he went with. It was also like the shop was completely painted black inside. There were like inverted crosses hung on the wall along with like medieval weapons. This was ah, real love, edge shit. Ah, 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 cut myself on the edge. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Ah, bleeds. Yes. On a, only a small part of the property, though, was actually used as a shop. What took up the bigger part of it was the basement. Not only did Euronymous run his record label, Death Like Silence, from that basement, but it also became the meeting place for black metal musicians, and as such, a focal point for Norway's burgeoning black metal scene. The opening of Helvete is, in fact, sometimes cited as the creation of the Norwegian black metal scene as a whole. Before that, it kind of was like underground bands doing their own thing, but now they had a central place to gather. So. Amongst the black metal musicians that would hang out in this basement, an inner circle would soon form that Euronymous dubbed the Black Circle. Ooh, edgy. (laughs) 
So Hieronymus presented the Black Circle as an organized cult-like group of militant Satan worshippers that I'm, he, of I'm course, so was the leader of. I, I'm sorry, but I can't help but imagine that there's, like, you know, it's still, like, his mother's basement in this basement. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining it. I can't imagine it any other way. Like, there's a washing machine and tumble dryer <laughs> in the corner. There's, like, a little, there's half a poster of, like, Ozzy Osbourne in the back. Oh, they, they, they do have, like, different posters and they have, like, graffiti in there. It's, yeah, it's very oh, so mom's basement-esque, Yeah. Now, if this if this part about the organized cult-like group of militant Satan worshippers sound like some LARPy edgelord bullshit that Hieronymus made up, that's because it is. Faust, the drummer of Emperor who lived and worked in the store, later said that it was just a name that was invented for the people who hung around the shop. There was an inner circle, but they were not an organized cult-like group of Satan worshippers. They were mostly just some Dudes that played in bands and liked to hang around in a basement. Yeah, like like a bunch of losers, basically. Like a bunch of losers, yes. There's no evidence either that any of them actually, unironically, even were Satan worshippers. It was mainly just an edgy aesthetic meant to provoke people. I mean, I gotta say, fuck Hieronymus and everything he stands for. Yep. I didn't have a second point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Agreed. Uh, so, either way, the members of the inner circle, especially Hieronymus, went out of their way to be as dark and edgy as possible. Aside from the unironic Satanism he professed to believe in, at least, Hieronymus also supported totalitarianism and Stalinist communism. <laughs> Not because he actually believed that they worked, but because of how just how shitty he thought they were. He had this sort of he identified as being in favor of hatred, sorrow, and evil, and against compassion, peace, happiness, and fun. Um, that's <laughs> that's. I mean, that's that's even worse than believing it for real. Because you know, you take you're not you're denying yourself and everyone else joy. You're just a killjoy at that point. Yeah. You're like, he joined like he joined uh, like Norway's like. Uh, Marxist-Leninist youth movement at one point, but then he like he thought they were too genuine. At one point, they like denounced Pol Pot, and at that point, he was like, "No, fuck this shit. I'm out. I'm here for the misery and the suffering." <laughs> I, honestly, like, geez. I mean, Marxist-Leninists are pretty cursed anyway. That's my hot take. Um, yeah. I, and no, I'm not going to go back on it. Fuck you. Um. But, like, this man is a Puritan. Like, a <laughs> satanic Puritan. Well, he's, he's not really satanic, he's mostly just pretending to be satanic. And yeah, he's... I know, I know, but what I'm just saying... just a killjoy, is what he's yeah. genuinely a killjoy. Like, he doesn't want anyone else to be happy, yes. you know. <laughs> so, Euronymous is basically the ultimate edgelord. His quote-unquote politics are basically some weird JREG-style form of anti-utilitarianism with the goal of causing as much misery as possible instead of happiness. Very normal stuff. So, whether this, whether all this was Euronymous' real personality and beliefs or just a persona, we can never know for sure, but many who knew him, including the other Mayhem members, think it was just an image a projection that bore little resemblance to his real personality. 
according to former Mayhem drummer Mannheim, the real Oysten, at least in the beginning, was a straight-A student who worked out a lot, didn't smoke and didn't drink, and was kind and loyal to his family. As time went on, he would become more and more caught up in the image of Mayhem, and all these traits would become less and less visible. So he kind of believed his own hype. Oh, he, he believed his own hype, yes. Yeah, that's generally the downfall, isn't it? Yeah. So as far as the other members of the Black Circle go, there is one in particular we really need to talk about, and that would be Vargvikenes of Bursum. Varg, of course, is not the name he was born with. He was born Christian Vikenes, but he later changed it to Varg, Norwegian for wolf, because Christian wasn't anywhere near edgy enough for him, and being called Christian really fucked with his anti-Christian vibes, really. Yeah, that's awkward. Yeah, anyway, so I'm gonna become Moon Moon instead. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna become Barney the Wolf already, instead. Already he's more of a puss than, you know, Gigi Allen, because Gigi Allen, like, leaned into being called Jesus Christ, so... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and he was like, more satanic than any of these little bitches, so... Yeah. Wait, I mean, like, um... Yeah. So where's the punk element of this? Where where is the clash? Where is it's the, just the edge? No, you're right. It's, the, it's just the edge. It's not the it's music. It's just the it's edge the and edge. the performative stuff of it of being as offensive ah, as possible. That's that's the that's the thing they got from punk and that's the thing they want to emulate. I, I see. So you know, punk is just wah system bad. <laughs> I wanna smash things and yes. I don't wanna bring a better world. I just wanna smash things. Shut uh, up, mom! It's anime, not a cartoon. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, Jimmy, you're in a cult, like an actual cult. I'm not say I'm not like you know, projecting here. You're literally in a cult. You're in a cult. That's not very punk rock of you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, Varg had a strange fucking childhood. His dad was an electronics en- engineer. And when Varg was just six years old, they had to move to Baghdad, Iraq, because of his dad's work. You see, Varg's father was apparently developing some sort of computer program for Saddam Hussein. What? Yeah, I, uh, I, had, a, I had the same reaction when I read this, yes. Um, did he know? About Saddam Hussein, or I think he did. It sounds like he was was hired by him. I mean, I mean, the job's a job, but a job is a job, yes. So, during this time, Varg went to a Iraqi elementary school where he, and I quote, became aware of racial matters. And when I say aware of racial matters, I don't mean he became woke. I, I mean, he became aware of racial matters in the worst possible way one could mean that sentence. Yeah, he's, was he bullied and he blamed that on him being Oh, no, white. no, quite the opposite. Um, as we'll see here. So, in the okay. school Varg went to, corporal punishment was fairly common, and other kids would get slapped as punishment for perceived misbehaviour. Varg, though, was the only kid in the class that wouldn't get hit, even when he misbehaved. And he chalks this up to them not daring to hurt him because he was white. And this must have instilled some sense of racial superiority on him because Varg 
we're going to become really fucking racist. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, if that happened to me, I'd be sort of like, I don't know what would that because I I've never fucking experienced that. Like, like if yeah, you have, this is like kind of a weird experiencing. Yeah, this is like experiencing, you know, racial privilege firsthand and him going, oh, this is good, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah him going like, I have I this mean, privilege because I deserve this privilege, yes. I mean, at least he doesn't have the victim complex of most racists, you know, it would be so, I was expecting him to be bullied, you know, for being a weirdo and him talk chalking that up to being white and oh no, poor me. It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm receiving a lot of privileges for the colour of my skin and that's good and great. <laughs> yeah, I'm basically. going to... I'm lean into the. I don't want to lose this. He became more racist during the years to the point where he became a literal fucking neo-Nazi as a teen. Okay, Jesus, that's fucking Christ. So, um, when was he in Iraq? Like, I, I want... hmm. give me a sec here. Because, like, the backstory he gave and his family corroborated in the book Lords of Chaos, which is, like, the definitive, like, black metal documentary book, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's... We have him and his family to corroborate this, but it seems like a weird thing to lie about. Uh, anyway, let me look up when he was born. This was... How old was he when they moved? I think he said, like... I'm not sure if... Uh, yeah, six years old. And he was born in... Uh, 1973, so this would be, like, 1979 they moved there. 1979. Oh, so, uh, developing, um, a computer program in the lead-up to the Iran-Iraq war. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so he's directly responsible, oh my god. Not not directly responsible, but, like... But he assisted. (laughs) Well, not Gorg necessarily, because he was just six years old and chilling, well, yeah, and then Rex. Oh, but he's dead. Yeah. No, this six-year-old is. <laughs> he's yeah, he is the Antichrist. Oh, yeah. He's the kid from the Omen. He started the Iran-Iraq War <laughs> as a six-year-old. Yeah. He used his. He's used his immense white privilege to <laughs> get it all started. Look, yes. Look! Look! All, all I'm saying is, look, he arrived. They were at peace. <laughs> it's pretty fucking suspicious. Yeah. Um, but you know, we'll just like ignore all like you know the like tensions that they probably had, and like the fact that you know the kid wasn't even in charge of any political office or anything. And no, it's Hogs. But, but just... wait, no, 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 because you see, he was white, so you know they had to take his. <laughs> they had they had to do as he said because he's white. Yeah, he just kind of went in there up to them saying and went like, "Yo, we gotta start a war." And so I just didn't dare oppose him because yeah, this just, kid oh, was white. Oh no, it's a white <laughs> six-year-old. Look, yeah, it's not fair that everyone else gets to commit no war crimes. I, a white exchange student, am personally responsible for all the war crimes in the Iraq Iran War. Especially the ones done by not me. I'm really responsible for those ones. I want to be put on trial at the hate. Oh, this is fucking bullshit. Like, you know, like I'm not even like allowed. What the fuck is this joke? I don't even know, man. This is just this whole thing's a joke. This is insane. This yeah. whole thing, this whole timeline's insane. Yeah, it is. So Varric became more racist with the years. 
though the point where he was a literal neo-Nazi as a teen. The Norwegian black metal scene didn't really mind that though, as they are all about being as edgy as humanly possible, and Nazis are pretty fucking edgy, I guess. Yeah, this is the problem about, like, you know, you know, edginess and like taking it to the limit and stuff. Like there are people who actually do believe this shit and that's not good, you know, like, oh man, you're doing you're really committing to the bit, and it's like it's not a bit. I really do want to murder people. <laughs> Something else I want to note about Varg before we proceed is that he is a huge fucking Lord of the Rings nerd. Oh, of course he is. The band name Bursum is taken from the black speech inscribed on the One Ring, and it means darkness, because of course it does. What a fucking nerd. Yeah, the first fucking band nerd. he was in was also called Urukai, which of course is a type of orc in Lord of the Rings. Additionally, Varg's stage name was taken from one of the orcs in the Two Towers. That stage name being Count Grishnak. I want to stuff him in a locker. <laughs> yeah, it becomes kind of hard to take him seriously once you know the stage name Count Grishnak. It sounds even sillier in Norwegian, because there it's Greifi Grishnak, which <laughs> sounds like it should be some sort of cartoon <laughs> character. Oh, there comes Greifi Grishnak. La la la, Vanessa, da, da, da. You know, just like going around some mushrooms yeah. in a little semicircle. Well, big mushrooms are what Scandinavia used to be all about, after all. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Big mushrooms. You know? <laughs> what is that accent? I don't know. What is that accent? The big mushrooms. Is that Slovenian? <laughs> it's an accent. My name is Peter the Swede. Is Peter Sweet Slovenian? No, look, I don't fucking know. I just I just tried to recreate Peter Sweden's voice. It's just like, okay, Alice, let's do a Peter Sweden voice. Like, <laughs> apparently it's Slovenian. Big mushroom found in Sweden. This is what we used to be all about. I'll I'll give it a go. I'll give it a big mushroom found in Sweden. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. So, as previously stated, Varg was a member of the band Bursum. He was, in fact, the only member of Bursum. He played the guitars, the bass, the drums, and also did the vocals. He did all this on the worst possible microphone he could find. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. He explicitly went to the recording studio and asked explicitly for the worst possible mic they had. Did was he in like a one man back? Isn't he like? Is he yeah, he's like a one the man drum band. on his back? Literally a one man back. Like you know, no, he doesn't. He doesn't like play them all at the same time. It's mostly just he goes into the drums and then he does the guitar, then the other oh, guitar, right. then the bass, yeah. and then he sings, and then he puts it all together. Which okay. I mean. Not, not as much of a piece of shit as he is. I mean, he had a lot of talent to be able to play all those and play them as well as he did. So, I'm generally not a big fan of Bursum's music, honestly, but I do like his a few of his songs. This one especially, I'm gonna put it in a yeah, watch together. Watch. Yeah, it's called My Journey to the Stars, and it's from his first album. Alright. He's in pain. <laughs> He's in pain. Sir, are you 
okay, sir? <laughs> sir, do you need an ambulance? Are you there? Sir, do you need some cream? Need <laughs> some cream? Cream for your wounds. <laughs> yeah. Would you like some anusol? Okay, so, like, guitar, the guitar is good, I like it. The drum, like, it's pretty fast and has consistent rhythm. Uh, the yep. screaming, like, it seems like just screaming, honestly. I mean, that's kind of what, like, there are some, some vocalists who do, like, get more creative with it and experiment a bit, I guess, but this is, like, it's not too far off of what traditional black metal shrieking sounds like, I suppose. Anyway, that's that's Bursa. What do you guys think? Um, again, not to my tastes. Not quite to my tastes, but, you know, it, it's alright. It has a poignant bootleg flavour to it. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of what a lot of these guys were going for with the... You, like, you weren't kidding about recording. the shitty mic. Like, that yeah. was a shitty mic. Producer, you know, give me the worst microphone you have. And he was, you know, that you want to do anything, you know, you always have to, you know, adjust the sound of the drums and they, No, because it was like a rebellion against this uh, good production. So. Well, he certainly achieved that. He certainly did. Well, first, I, I want to mention that the low. Quite low production, like Vorg took it kind of to an extreme with the, like deliberately going out of his way to get as bad equipment as possible. But uh, like it's it's like very common in black metal metal to not want to do like a good production, I guess. Like other other influential bands like Dark Throne, their production label went like uh, we, we want to mix so it sounds better, and Dark Throne threatened to like pull out of the record label and quit if they fucking touched that mix and cleaned it up because it was supposed to sound bad like a lot of bands did this just this like this is a, like a, this is a hallmark of the genre bad production well either way Euronymous he listened to this the first album Burst Metal already made and he thought this was the shit he thought this was so fucking good he like immediately signed Bursum to Def Like Silence his record company and brought Varg under his wing and into the inner circle. I'm gonna post a picture of the two of them together in the chat here, and in the description of the available as well. I'm gonna be honest, I'm mainly just posting this because I want you to, to see Hieronymus' moustache. Oh! Uh, <sighs> it's a great moustache, isn't it? It's like a shitty Inigo Montoya! Like, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. He looks just kind of like out of it. Like he doesn't look like he's entirely like. Oh, Varg. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with Varg. He's he's not on drugs and he's not on alcohol. He doesn't drink and he doesn't do drugs. So this is your bad. brain on Nazism. Yeah, uh, Varg. He he doesn't drink at all. So whenever they had like they they'd have like parties, he, the inner circle, Varg just kind of used to drink like jugs of milk. Which is very normal shit. Oh. He, he started the neo-Nazi thing of drinking milk before it was a thing, I guess. Oh, you know what? That's a step too far for me. That's fucking. That's too edgy. That's too. Yeah. Bad. No, <laughs> yeah. You get kicked out of the party if you do that shit. Yes. I must say, I, now that I've seen Hieronymus Bosch, I'm like, 
Well, I mean, I wouldn't have hated him less for seeing him, but I do hate him more for seeing his he facial looked hair. More, he looked more normal back during the dead days. He didn't have the moustache. I think he started growing that out after he opened Helvetta and his like, megalomania got worse. And he started doing the Prince of Evil thing and all that. But that's, it's just so twee. That's the thing. If you want to be evil, grow the full beard. Can he not grow a full beard? Is that why he? I I don't know what, what his thing this. with this was. I guess maybe he can't really have full beard because he first with corpse paint. I guess so. If I guess paint you don't have beards, or he just thought this was like the evil villain mustache he wanted. I don't know. I have no idea what he was going for. Well, he definitely does look like he's about to strap someone to some train tracks. So that's you know. So done it. so uh, Dick Dastardly's going to strap someone to like the you know uh, train tracks. <laughs> For like not giving him enough milk to have his milk bath because oh no no uh, Euronymous isn't the one with the milk the one with the milk is Varg. Euronymous didn't really drink much either but he didn't use milk as a replacement to his credit. Well, he's not entirely evil then. <laughs> yeah, not entirely. Well, despite his shitty stage name Count Grishnak and shittier politics. Varg became very well respected within the Norwegian black metal scene, and his music was very popular and influential. And it would just so happen that Mayhem had a spot open. Well, several spots really, since Dead was dead, and mm-hmm. Necrobutcher left after that. They'd tried recruiting a guy called Occultus to fill their spots, but he left after we received a death threat from Euronymous. Euronymous loved, Why? Euronymous loved sending death threats to people. It was his favorite shit in the world. I mean, he's just... You know, I mean, I suppose that people say, oh yeah, he's hardcore and stuff like that. Oh, he's dark. But I'm, I'm still thinking, what? He's, he's just a fucking child. Like, this is like 17-year-old <laughs> yeah. shit, you know? Uh, how how old? Like, this... Wait, which year was this? This would be 1991. How old was he? 23? He was 23 at the Christ. time. Christ, yeah, he should know better, generally. He's a fully grown man doing this. I oh, mean, I baby. thought Euronymous would know better after, like, you know, bullying his friend into committing suicide. His quote-unquote friend. I'm not sure how much I trusted yeah, the friendship was He probably just wanted another photo opportunity for his fucking advertising, you fucking prick. Yeah. Oh, God. I want to send him some messages, actually. <laughs> That's what I want to bully this dude, because he's such a fucking prick. <laughs> so they had several spots open, so they recruited Varg as their new bassist. And they also got a Hungarian dude named Attila Shihar as their new vocalist, and a guy called Blackthorn as their second guitarist. So now they had a full lineup instead of just two people. All three of these were already established and respected members of the scene in their own right, and they did add a lot of character to the band's music. Side note, though, you will want to keep the name Blackthorn in the back of your mind, because he will come up again later. Okay. So, during this time, they were working on an album, uh, The Mysteries Dom Satanas, but what's more interesting is what was going on behind the scenes. You see, Varg and Euronymous' friendship was rapidly turning into a rivalry. As Faust, another member of the Black Circle, put it, It sounds really silly, but I think there was a little bit of a contest between them to see who could be the more evil. It created a very difficult situation, especially for Euronymous, 
who just wanted the glamour and the showbiz. With him, there was a lot of smoke, but not so much fire. But with Varg, oh boy, was there fire. On the night of June the 6th, 1992, the Fantoft Stave Church was burned down. It was one of Norway's oldest churches, over 800 years old at that point. It was culturally and historically significant as well, it's a bit of a tourist attraction. Uh, Varg was never convicted of this, but everyone kind of knows he's the one who did it. He wasn't shy about it either. He even put a photo of the burned-down church as the cover to his EP Aske, or Ashes in English. Not sold these people at all. Yeah. So I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna post a picture of Fantoft before the fire, and then what it looked like on the cover of Aske. So I'll put that in the chat, also in the description. Actually, why, why is we on the subject of uh, burning culturally important things? Um... Let's say I quickly draw a distinction between this and toppling down statues. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, people actually wanted this church. Yeah. Number one, you know, like it's not like the Svetlan uh, statue or yeah, the Colston statue. It's like this actually did have historical importance. I'm guessing and yes, was beloved it's, by it's, many people. It's a stave church. There's not. There's like less than a hundred of those around. Oh, it's like a fuck. unique. It's like a unique Norwegian like architectural style. And there's well, not many like churches who still have it. Congrats to this guy for, you know, being above Hieronymus on my shit list. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's actually worse. I that's mean, the, just that's the church. That's oh, the, wait, that's the... cool. Oh, look at that. That's that's, oh, that's the church sweet. that was burned down. This was this was before oh. it was burned down. Cool. And then this is uh the cover of his EP Aske. That's a Pantoff safe oh. church right there. Well, look at Shadow the Edgehog over here. <laughs> yeah, he got his Edgy album cover. After this, a wave of church burnings followed as fans and musicians alike tried to follow Vork's example. Oh god, it's yeah, I've heard about this actually. There was like an outbreak of Edgy. Yeah, yeah there was an outbreak of Edgy, yes. There were approximately 50 church burnings in Norway between 1992 and 1996. And in all of them that were solved, which, if I recall correctly, is about a third of them, black metal musicians or fans were responsible. Many culturally and architecturally significant buildings were destroyed, including other stave churches. And one of these arsons even took the life of a firefighter. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know what? You know what's really horrible about this? Like edgy arson is the worst kind of arson because it's like it's not even arson for a particular purpose. Oh, it's no, not even no. for revenge. Varg. It's Varg was no Varg was doing this for a reason. We'll get to that soon. Oh, Varg oh, there had was a reason. reason. He oh, right. he was not okay. doing edgy arson. Other members of the scene were Varg was not. We'll get to that soon. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we know for a fact that Varg personally burned down several other churches, and he was also kind of responsible for the rest too by way of inspiring them. As he put it, all these church burnings are linked to one person who was not Eysten, obviously. That's a bit of shade to Eysten or Euronymous there, because yeah, he didn't really participate in the church burnings much. He was only present at one, which would be the burning of Holomenicolen Chapel, which he participated in along with Varg and their friend Faust. 
Faust believes that Euronymous just went along with it because he wanted to prove he could be a part of it and not just in the background. Like, apparently, according to Mayhem Drummer Hellhammer, Quark had pretty much put Euronymous on the spot and pressured him into coming along, saying something along the lines of, if you're not against us, why don't you join us in doing it? Euronymous kind of had to prove his, like, cred of being the... Because he was the self-proclaimed leader of the scene. Now Warwick was inventing this hot trend, and Euronymous was not participating, he was just, like, talking about it. This is like this. This is like peer pressure that should that normally only occurs in high school and in, <laughs> in like and like over things like yeah, you know, chug chug the beer, chug the beer, Hieronymus, you know. But this, I these think, are adults. Oh my no, god! No, I think I think Varg might have been eighteen or nineteen at the time. That's even worse because like he's older and he's getting peer pressured by this fucking not <laughs> yeah, teenager. Yeah, like, yeah, like Euronymus is like. Four or five years older than him, and he's getting pushed by a teenager, he's getting bullied by a teen. Yeah, that's fucking pathetic, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie, that's fucking weak. It is. It absolutely that, is. That ain't metal, everybody. That's not metal at all. Mm. Look, that's not metal. It's not goth. It's not punk rock. It's not even Gucci. <laughs> Ooh. Um, how much Euronymous actually participated even in the one arson he was involved in is unknown. As ex-drummer Mannheim put it, if I know him right, he just stood and watched. Although Euronymous didn't really like to participate in the church burnings much, he was certainly willing to talk as if he did. Here's what he had to say about it on a Swedish radio show. The Christians must feel that there is a dark, evil power present that they have to fight, which will make them more extreme. We also believe that when a church burns down, it's not only Christians who suffer, but people in general. Imagine a beautiful old saved church. What happens when it burns? The Christians feel despair. God's house is destroyed, and ordinary people will suffer from grief because something beautiful was destroyed. So you end up spreading grief and despair, which is a good thing. You know, that's a lot less edgy now. I know he was peer pressured by a teenager. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, I mean that's not doesn't have the effect that it that you did. It is pathetic. It's just a marketer, really. He's like a fucking yes, he's yes. like he's like 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 some guy it, he's giving a lot of energy of like someone's uncle who's like trying to be <laughs> down with the kids, but it's really only there because he can drive. You know? Kinda, yeah. I mean, he was he had the production company, after all. He was the one who owned the store. And everyone else was talking about committing crimes, and he was just kind of feeling left out. So, even though Euronymous talked as if this was just burning the churches out of edginess, Varg's motivations were a lot more personal in nature. You see, Varg wasn't actually a Satanist, nor did he even pretend to be one, unlike many other members of the scene. Varg is an unironic Odinist. He considers himself an enemy of the Judeo-Christian god, and has a bitter grudge against Christianity for eradicating the Old Norse religion. He's like, one of the only people in Scandinavia who's still salty about that. For everyone, everyone else in the scene, church burnings may just have been for the sake of edginess, but for Varg they were revenge. As he put it, 
For each devastated graveyard, one heathen grave is avenged. For each ten churches burned to ashes, one heathen hof is avenged. For each ten priests or Freemasons assassinated, one heathen is avenged. Oh, great. I mean... I'm not safe now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Freemason, watch your back. I mean, we, we've all, I think me and Alice can speak to this. We've had experience with uh, Wicca and paganism in this country. Um, Odinists tend to be shit over here as well, but they're more of the, you know, you're not allowed in because you're a woman uh, sort of shittiness. <laughs> like, this is a whole new level of shitty. Like, I've never, I've never witnessed this before. <laughs> so... There are so many awful, uniquely awful people in this scene, truly. Now, church burnings are pretty bad in their own right, but one member of the Black Circle was about to take the be Norwegian do crime things way too far by committing an actual murder. So, content warning for this bit, not only for the literal murder, but also some pretty intense homophobia. Timestamp in the description if you want to skip it. So, you guys remember Faust? He was the drummer of the band Emperor, member of the Inner Circle, accomplice in the church burning we just talked about, the one with Euronymous and Varg. Uh, he was friends with both of them, he lived and worked in the hell at the shop. Yeah, this guy, this fucking guy. On the night of August the 21st, 1992, Ford, Faust, Athun murdered an openly gay man called Magne Andreasen while in his hometown of Lillehammer. Faust had been approached and propositioned by Andreasen, and the two went into the woods near Lillehammer's Olympic Park. Once in a secluded area, Faust stabbed Andreasen 37 times and then kicked his head repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Faust claimed that the murder wasn't motivated by homophobia and that he'd simply wanted to kill someone that night, and it didn't really matter who. If it was this man or another man, that's not really important, he said. Isan, one of his band members, said that Faust had been very fascinated by serial killers for a long time and had probably wanted to know what it was like to kill a person. Look, you, you see, it's not, um, it's not the specific um, individual that is killed that is important, but much rather the concept of murder that I am fascinated by. All these other band members, they are um, they are weak and poses. Uh, Um, And they disappoint me greatly. Um, But what's actually important is the the taking of life to to embrace the darker nature. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not sure how accurate that is to Faust's personality, but that's canon now. I accept that as canon. I mean, I've got to say as well, this false guy, he's like, if he wants to be a serial killer stuff, he's really going the stupidest way about it because he's just gone and killed one person in the most public way possible. And, I mean, you know, he wasn't caught for it. For a... He wasn't caught? Not for a while, at least. Well, okay. How how long was he? Okay. I'll, I'll get to that later. I'd like to leave a bit of a cliffhanger on how long he was free, but after the murder, Faust called Euronymous and Varg. 
they advised against going to the police and instead told him to return straight to Oslo. That same night, Euronymous called their former drummer Mannheim. Mannheim, being the eternal and singular voice of reason in this whole saga, told him it was stupid fucking advice and that Faust should turn himself in. Euronymous vehemently disagreed and seemed to think the murder was, in fact, cool and exciting. Fucking prick. Faust drove back to Oslo the next day. Faust claimed he didn't feel any remorse, but Mannheim thinks he seemed like he was in shock about the whole thing. Although Faust may not have committed the murder out of homophobia, others in the scene certainly approved of it out of homophobia. Mayhem drummer Hellhammer, for example, says that he honors Faust for having the guts to murder a fucking F-slur. Uh, a lot of the inner circle did know about this, and they kept it secret. Can't help but wonder if some of them might not have done so if the victim had been straight. I mean, they are intensely shitty people to begin with, but, you know, yeah, I think homophobia might have pe- played a part in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't believe you've done this, Hellhammer. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe Hellhammer is cancelled and homophobic. So, none of the guys who knew about it reported it to the police, and the police were unable to find any suspects on their own. I say unable, but as some speculate, it might be more that they were unwilling and that felt the victim had, to some degree, had it coming. Oh, what do you know? The police are unwilling to... unwilling to do the basics. The police? Also homophobic? God, how how shocking. Never would have seen this one coming. Like I said, that's just speculation, but, like... Also, this was in a kind of public place, like the, the Olympic Park. I feel like... They should have been able to find suspects. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's... Yeah, I retract my statement, you know, that is kind of like, uh, you know, it was a stupid thing to do, because clearly he picked the right victim in the right yeah. area. Because... Because... The... Fuck the police. <laughs> yeah. We're getting into some very Ted Bundy standing territory. Yeah. Um. Are we? I just... Uh... I just want to uh, make it make a quick uh, announcement and thing. Uh, all murderers are bastards. Amab. Unless they kill in like self defense, but yeah, oh, obviously self defense, but yeah, all serial killers are bastards. I mean, yes. I can get behind that. Yes, all serial killers probably bastards. I I draw a distinction between murder and manslaughter. Oh yeah, sure, fair enough. Um, but yeah. So, anyway, tell us more about the murder gang band. <laughs> well, well, we'll leave the murder for now. Uh, the black metal scene was, at this point, already somewhat infamous. But an article published in one of Norway's biggest newspapers was about to bring them right into the spotlight. Vark, being a fucking idiot... With the hopes of promoting black metal and getting more customers to Helvete, decided to set up an anonymous interview with Bergens Tidene, or BT, where he would uh, practically confess to the arsons. He gave them only his pseudonym 
Count Krishnak, which most likely did not inspire confidence oh, in the validity hell. of his claims for the journalist. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but these people, like, <laughs> like their, their crimes are, like, undercut by the sheer fucking stupidity of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. So the journalist, Finn Bjorn Tunde, was summoned to Varg's apartment at midnight, where he found that all the lights were turned off. Two dudes were just kind of standing in the background as guards for the count, presumably. So I'm gonna read you a bit of this article, which I had to translate from fucking Norwegian, by the way, so you better be grateful. We, we bow to the queen. We bow <laughs> to the queen of translation. It becomes... I'm gonna give this a British accent, even though the journalist is definitely not British. Uh, okay, let's go. It becomes clear that the occupant of this apartment is not exactly a normal person. Either we are dealing with an overgrown child who founds Nazi paraphernalia, weapons and Satanist symbols exciting, or BT's employees have entered a world few understand. No, no, I, I think you had it right the first time, yeah. Yeah, the overgrown child who finds Nazi paraphernalia, weapons and Satanist symbol exciting. Spot Sounds on. about right. Yeah, spot fucking on, honestly. The windows are completely covered by carpets. I hate daylight, explains the scrawny, long-haired creature that presents himself with a baffling name. The name, of course, being Greifi Grishnak. <laughs> so, Grishnak really plays up the Satanist cult angle here. He Does his mum come in with like some drinks <laughs> and some nibbles and then quietly leaves? Like, I'm getting those I'm vibes. Surprised. Wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Those are the vibes I'm getting to. Uh, he tells them that he worships the devil and that their organization's goal is to spread fear of the powers of darkness throughout society. He tells them that he craves death, but not before he spreads as much misery as he can. He, and I quote, suffers through life to serve my lord. Naturally, the journalist doesn't believe a fucking word of what he's saying, because why would he believe some 20-year-old edgelord that calls himself Count Grishnak? But Varg then gives him details about the arsons that were never released to the public, uh, such as the fact that a decapitated hare was left at Fantoft Stave Church, and this gives his claims of being the perpetrator a lot more credibility. Varg goes... Just hands over some fingerprints and, you know, a selfie <laughs> of him in front yeah. of a burning chef with thumbs up, you know, because he's... I mean, that's not that's not entirely inaccurate considering the fact that he put the burn church on his fucking album cover. God, this... this rank imbecile. <laughs> yeah. So Vark goes pretty fucking wild with it in this interview, by the way. He claims that they had actually been planning to have different cult members burned down other churches throughout the country at the exact same time as Fantoft was burned down, and that they'd actually been hoping to leave a human sacrifice instead of an animal at the church. They'd also been hoping to do it at 6am, so it would be 666, that 6th of June, 6 months, 6am. I guess all this is supposed to make them look scarier, but to me, if this was true, it would only make them look incompetent, since they didn't actually manage to pull any of those things off. Like, oh, we, we, we're gonna burn several more churches down, 
at 666 with a human sacrifice, and then they just didn't manage to do any of that. Most incompetent Satanistic cult. He, Vark also claims that his cult had been actively collaborating with and buying weapons from neo-Nazis, and also had connections to radical leftists. In fact, they had contacts in all cities where they can spread strife. He even implies that they have murdered several people throughout the city of Bergen. Obviously, this is just shit he's making up to seem more edgy. Oh, right, yeah, so it's not actually true. You know. No, no, no. They, there's like, there's no evidence that they were a satanistic okay. cult. Okay, I was, I was murdered thinking several that sounds, people Bergen. That sounds too competent. Really? Oh, way too know. competent. Yes, this, they were not doing this shit. He just wanted to be like edgy to this article. I like, like that. The, I like, I like that he both sides it as well. Like, you know, it's not satisfying enough just to say <laughs> that near Nazis he's buying from that he's getting it from leftists too. Yeah, I've got to cover all bases. You know, yeah, so he can he, piss off yeah. conservatives too. <laughs> yeah, so he he like so it's not political. He just wants to spread strife and he'll collaborate with anyone to do so. I guess that's what yeah, he's going because for. that that makes him cooler somehow. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So, once the journalist left, the three metalheads in the apartment apparently had a good laugh about the whole thing. But the journalist did not have a good laugh. Because once he got confirmation from the police that the detail about the hair was actually true, he just kind of assumes that everything else Grishnak told him must be true, including all that dumb shit I just told you about. Despite the lines of the article making fun of Vark and basically calling him an overgrown edgelord baby, the newspaper was mostly more than happy to play into his hands and fearmonger about the supposed cult. They called him a grotesque sect and said that the public must take this threat very seriously. That's I'm, I'm quoting that line, by the way. It like ends with, we need to take this very seriously. I'm just imagining that arrested development thing of the Wizard <laughs> Academy and it's like, you know, we demand to be taken seriously. <laughs> yeah, but the journalist is like going along with it and being like, yeah, we need to take these people seriously. Ooh. That makes it sadder, really, that it's like, I mean, to be fair, if I had just come down there and, you know, found some of the details were true, like, I would probably assume it's like, oh, fuck, maybe he's not making any all of this up. Shit, yeah, you know. fair point, but yeah, I know. But now that we know what we know, it's kind of like, mm, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty funny in hindsight. <laughs> Before we talk about the aftermath of the article's publication, I need to mention one of my favorite parts of the article. At one point in the interview, Varg grins over something he's talking about and then quickly stops and goes, It isn't good for us to smile. We have no reason to smile in this ridiculous society. Which is just about the most try-hard edgelord thing I've read in my entire <laughs> life. I also feel the need to mention that this this article was like weirdly hard to find. There's no translations of it, and the only place where I really, or the first place where I find it in Norwegian, was this this fucking archive site where all the text is bright red on a black background. So not only did they have to not only did they have to read this in Norwegian, which already gives me a fucking headache to do, but it's also formatted in the most obnoxious way possible. It's very metal way though, like black background, red text. You yeah, know, but they're not doing like... the like they're not doing the encyclopedia metallicum thing of like having subtle red, like non-offensive red, the kind of red that's like pleasant to look at on a black uh, background. But but the, this is the bright idea... fucking red. But this is like the edgelord thing, though, so it has yeah. to be as offensive as possible. So, 
that's that's in keeping with that. I defend this choice for freedom <laughs> of speech. Sure. So I'm going to post a link to the now infamous cover of this article in the chat, also available down in the description. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like every fucking... Look at his little eye, fucking nostalgia critic <laughs> yeah. eye in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to make his face too obvious, you know, because he was oh. admitting to crime, so this is what he went oh, with. Oh, you fucking puss. You fucking, you fucking wussy puss. <laughs> being so of course he has a knife collection. I mean, of oh, course. Yeah, he, has like, a knife collection. he is no different from these fedora yeah, wearing fucks who yeah. pose with ninja weapons. Like, that is just pathetic. <laughs> Like, look, we obviously know he is not a knife gay, so he's immediately invalid. Yeah, he's a he's a knife straight, which is incredibly invalid. Oh, straight edge, gross. (laughs) 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 The headline there reads, We burned the churches, and the subhead under that reads, the devil worshipper. I think I could read the rest of it down there. Let me see. It's like it says, "I've become so numb, I feel <laughs> no pain." <laughs> For someone who can some sort of read Norwegian, I confirm this just reads, "I've become so numb, I can feel no pain." <laughs> it's canon now. Yeah. Uh, the article was published as a front page story of Bergen's Tidende, one of the. I can't fucking pronounce that. Norwegian words are so stupid. Tidende. Why does it spell like that? Fucking this fucking language. Anyways, front page story. One of Norwegian. Norway's, one of Norway's like biggest newspaper. Uh, by the time it was out, however, Bork had already been arrested. The police <laughs> claimed they found him through an address printed on a flyer for his band Bursum, but Bork kind of suspects the journalist might have sold him out. I mean, again, if I was in that situation, you know, and this story that this fucking maniac was telling me turned out to even be partially true, uh, you know, I am very much a cab, but I maybe slip some of that information to uh, the authorities, you know, just just in case, just in case. (laughs) After they got Vork, the police and media managed to connect him to the Norwegian black metal scene. Which is not surprising considering he was like going around wearing all these fucking like black metal shirts and all that. Not not a like a far-fetched connection to make. And by connecting him to the Norwegian black metal scene, they managed to connect that to Helvete and the inner circle there. A few other members of the scene were also arrested and questioned, but they were released due to a lack of evidence. They got pretty pissed off about being taken in as a lot of them didn't even know that Varg was going to go to the press in the first place. Uh, Varg himself was held for a few weeks, but eventually they let him go, also due to a lack of evidence. This shit was getting a lot of attention at this point, because that article had started off Norway's own satanic panic. Yay! Yay! um, Honestly, like... Other satanic panics are like, you know, like basically just, you know, coded fear mongering and stuff. But like, this is like a legitimate like thing with like what. To a certain extent, sure. To a certain extent, what basically qualif- could easily, quite easily, in fact, 
actually, yeah, technically, definitionally, terrorist attacks. Attacks literally designed to cause naught but terror, and specifically targeting, like, culturally significant historical buildings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, actual terroristic, like, Satanists or go well, Satanists, quote unquote. Yeah, uh, when when Vorg like got out of prison, there he just he, he started like going around trying to tell people like, no, no, I'm not really a Satanist. I'm a pagan Nazi. But they didn't really. Oh, that's want to so listen. much better. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm so sorry yeah. for misrepresenting you. Yeah, they didn't really want to listen though. They they got this like scary Satanist narrative. They wanted to run with it. That shows a lot of newspapers. Yeah, I mean, the aesthetic is a lot better, to be fair. Yeah, you know, yeah like yeah. there's like the there's like the virgin uh, Nazi pagan and the Chad Satanist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Varg was on the cover of pretty much every newspaper in Norway. It seems with headline with headlines fear mongering about the violent satanic arsons and the Satan Mafia. I'm quoting, by the way. Satan Mafia was an actual headline. <laughs> It was even getting some international attention with a Kerrang! black metal special calling them satanic terrorists, as Alice pointed out. Oh, wow. Neat. Neat, yes. I don't, I don't a prediction. You did it, Alice. So now, at this point, Euronymous decided to shut down his shop Helvete due to the heat it was getting from both the media and the police. Varg was pretty fucking upset about Euronymous closing Helvete, since the whole point of this thing had been to take advantage of the publicity. He complained that Euronymous had, and I quote, made all my efforts more or less pointless. I spent six weeks in custody because of that. I mean, I, mean, I would say this about Hieronymus, like, he's a much better ad, ad man than this guy, because oh, yeah, I'm sure. sorry, but <laughs> this is not the publicity you wanted. This is yeah. What, yeah, what, this what was your plan, dude? Are they just like gonna? Vork did not. Vork said he didn't want like this publicity either. He thought he was gonna get publicity, but somehow not this publicity. I don't know what. He I don't was know. It's like this is like a lot of like you know shithead dudes who are like. No, you know, man, I like when I like threw that bin out of a window in the classroom, I thought everyone was just gonna keep cheering me. I didn't expect to get kicked yes. out. Oh like why am I being why have I got a record now? I was doing a cool thing because I'm a cool boy. Yeah. So on the topic of his weeks in custody, Varg said, It's much too nice here. It's not hell at all. In this country, prisoners get a bed, a toilet, and shower. It's completely ridiculous. I asked the police to throw me in a real dungeon, and also encourage them to use violence. You know what? I would comply. Yeah. I would comply at that point. It's like, yeah, yeah, yes. here's some real fucking violence, you piece of shit, you yeah, fucking... A true, fuck, a true fucking LARPer, even in arrest. And speaking of him LARPing... Shortly after Vork was let out of police custody, Oslo police sent their church fire unit to Vork's home city of Bergen, and they set up a makeshift headquarters in Hotel Norge. Vork did not take well to this at all. He knocked on their door and then proceeded to virtually force his way into the suites. He was 
dressed in chainmail, carrying two large knives in his belt, and flanked by two young men who apparently behaved as if they were his bodyguards or henchmen. He stated that he was fed up with being harassed by the authorities, and that the police investigation into the black metal scene should be stopped. When police pointed out to him that he had no right to issue orders, <laughs> Mark uh, took one step back and raised his right arm in a Roman salute. Uh, can you fucking can you fucking imagine being put on the church fire unit that had to be created because a bunch of shitty edge lords keep doing church arson and having to deal with some scrawny fucking kid marching down your hotel headquarters wearing chain mails and doing Nazi salutes I mean, at you? I'm guessing they didn't even know who they fucking was, so he was just some fucking I mean, kid, no, as far they, as they're they, concerned. They, they, like, immediately, immediately after Varg, um, immediately after Varg, like, got out of prison, the, this church fire unit from Oslo, which is, like, eight hours away from Bergen, moved to Bergen immediately after he got out of prison. They were, like, there to keep watching Oh, him. so it was kind of him. So they knew who he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they knew who he was. They specifically went there so they could, like, keep tags, keep tabs on him. They were, like, transferred to another city entirely just so they could, like, keep eyes on Varg. So, so they they, prob- they almost definitely knew who this fucking kid was so, when he so came in. So Varg is basically just, like, marching down up in the street going, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, arrest me, <laughs> arrest me, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, <laughs> Zeke Heil, Zeke Heil. So... Why is he? Yes. Why is he not fucking arrested? <laughs> I mean, in the article, he did to his credit. He was kind of clever about always saying "we" instead of "I." Like our organization burned down this church. We burned down this church. He never said "I," so he never directly admitted to being the one responsible. He just admitted to being in an organization that was responsible. Uh, so yeah. to his to, to his credit, mildly clever. I guess we're we're playing the monarch's uh, like you know uh, thing of uh, oh we think one thinks yeah it's the yeah. Ro- it's the royal we we think it is unbecoming that these churches are allowed to proliferate the Christian <laughs> far leftist agenda so we burnt it down. So, in between all the arsons and the dumb shit they keep pulling, Mayhem somehow managed to allocate a little bit of time to doing what they, as musicians, were supposed to be oh, doing. Oh, yeah, I forgot they were a band. They do music. Yeah, <laughs> alright, yeah. <laughs> they were working on the Mysteries Dom Satanas, meaning roughly the secret rites of Satan, because of course that's what it means. And this was going to be their first actual proper full-length album. Despite how long they've been active at this point, they didn't have one of those yet. They didn't have an like, actual full-length album. They kept getting too wrapped up in the spectacle of black metal to actually like make black metal. They recorded most of it in Bergen's Grierhall, and I have no idea how they managed to pull that off, because that's like actually a really prestigious concert hall. I have no idea who let them in there and let them record her, but apparently they did. And they were, of course, hoping to do something pretty explosive for the album's release. You see, Euronymous and Varg had been talking about blowing up Norway's largest cathedral, the Nidaros Cathedral. 
the cathedral appears on the on the cover of the album, The Mysterious Domsathanas, because Mayhem is nothing if not subtle. Was one of their uh, songs, Arrest Us Now? And <laughs> please God, arrest us now. We're going to do it. We're actually going to do it. We need attention. Please arrest us now. I mean... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to post a picture here of what Midaros Cathedral looks like to kind of prove the point that these fucking kids would not have been able to take this shit down. They did not have the fucking have explosives needed to, to take this this bad boy down. That is an absolute yeah. unit. That is an absolute <laughs> unit. They would not have been able to take this down. I mean, like, I'm looking... They'd need a fucking fighter jet to take that shit down. They did not have I'm it. looking at triangle. Triangle, triangle, triangle. Up, oh, wait. Is that is that some gothic architecture? Triangle. I mean, it's like people thinking that they're gonna take down the Earl Grey statue. It's like I admire <laughs> optimism, but nah, it's not happening. Whether they'd actually attempt to go through with this, or if it was just talk, is something we'll never truly know. Because Euronymous would not live to see the release of Mayhem's first album. Oh, oh no. Oh no. I mean, I mean, fuck Euronymous, but still, this this doesn't sound good. Yeah. Um, on the evening of August tenth, nineteen ninety-three, Varg Vikernes and his friend Blackthorn, their name is again, uh, made the five hundred kilometer drive from Bergen to Oslo. Varg was meeting with Euronymous to sign some contracts for a record deal he'd made with Euronymous label Death Like Silence. It was in the middle of the night when they got to their destination. Blackthorn waited outside, smoking, while Varg went inside. I think we were there at uh, 3 o'clock or maybe 4 o'clock. So he was sleeping. I told him, well, I don't care if he's sleeping. It's Open the door, and he opened the door. The following morning, Eysten Hieronymus Arsef was found on the stairwell of the first floor. He had 23 knife wounds, two to the head, five to the neck, and 16 to the back. He was only 25 years old at the time of his death. He was literally backstabbed. He was literally backstabbed, yeah. I mean, to be honest, after everything I've heard, I've got to admire the aesthetic of it. Like, that's that's perfect. That is just like... Someone please tell me someone took a po- picture of this and posted it everywhere, because that would be no, just no, the perfect... No, no, there's no picture. Oh, the, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier. It would have been the, like, the perfect ironic punishment. There's unfortunately not. Ah, uh, well. Um, so, Varg was arrested by the police nine days later. They found 150 kilograms of explosives and over 3,000 rounds of ammunition in his home. Varg says that he was collecting ammo and explosives so he could defend Norway if they were attacked at any time. That sounds legit. But it's, I mean, that does sound like the sort of larpy shit he would do. It's also been speculated that this was meant for that attack on Nidaros Cathedral that he and Hieronymus had been talking about. Some even think that Varg may have been planning on blowing up the Blitzhaus, an anarcho-communist youth enclave in Oslo. But I can't find like an actual primary source for that. And as much of a as much of a piece of shit as Varg is, 
I honestly don't think this claim is very likely because he seems generally opposed to mass murdering other white, keyword white, yes. Norwegian, <laughs> even if they're leftists. I mean, he had standards, like they were white, so, you know. Yeah, they, they were white Norwegians. He just doesn't think it's like good Nazi praxis to do that. So without an actual like primary source for this, I kind of doubt it. I think he he seems like a somewhat paranoid person to a certain extent about like the foreign invasion. I think the like idea that he'd been stockpiling this for some sort of invasion in the future does kind of seem more likely than any concrete plans. So it sounds like the Nazi thing to do, I guess. So Yeah, it does sound like the Nazi thing to do. <laughs> yes. On the 2nd of May 1994, Varg Vikernes was put on trial. Now, I know the details of the murder, what with the 16 stab wounds to the back, sound pretty damning for him, but I promise you, I assure you, Varg has a perfectly good explanation for how Hieronymus' body ended up at the bottom of the staircase with 16 knife wounds to his back. It was just self-defense. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> just, he charged at me backwards. And just he ran into my <laughs> knife sixteen times, and then and then he tried to yeah, head he me. He ran into my knife. He, <laughs> he ran tried into to headbutt me from behind, <laughs> and I, I got him in the head too. I, it was just the darndest thing, Your Honor. <laughs> God. Yeah. You see, Barakat apparently heard from one of Euronymous' friends that Euronymous had actually been planning to murder Varg. He was apparently gonna use a meeting about the contract as a setup. And his alleged plan was to attack Varg with a stun gun, then tie him up and torture him to death while filming the whole thing. I mean, that considering I... Hieronymus, Hieronymus the, the massive dickhead, I mean, that's not totally unbelievable, but seems a little unlikely. Um, it's unbelievable that he would do that, but it's kind of credible that he would threaten to do that. Oh yeah. Because, yeah, as former Mayhem guitarist Necrobutcher put it, Easton was always sending death threats to people. It was just his reaction to everything. Oh dear, it came back to bite him in the end. How yeah, it sad. came back to bite him, yeah. Like, Euronymous would even threaten... I'm not, I'm not over-exaggerating here. Euronymous would threaten to kidnap and murder people just for wearing shirts he thought were lame. I mean, like someone wore a, like a band wore a Hawaii shirt, and he was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna kidnap these people. I'm gonna murder these people. How fucking dare they?" He was so overdramatic. Sending death threats was just what he did. I mean, I mean I'm I'm overdramatic, and I still don't send death threats. I mean, this whole podcast <laughs> is about the drama, and we haven't sent any death threats to each other because you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it time. When my next segment comes along, then maybe <laughs> we'll, maybe that'll change. But yeah, editing Lee will just be sending death threats after having to listen to that again. Yes. <laughs> uh, so when sorry, gone. I'm just I'm just saying, you know. Well, actually, this is a cautionary tale because you know people who like send death threats. I mean, again, this isn't like. New stuff. I mean, like, there are people that populate, you know, social media like this everywhere. So I just think this should be a cautionary tale. You know, you <laughs> when you say that, you know, it, it's brave when you say that shit online. But then someone might stab you in the back 16 times because they take you seriously. So think yeah. about that, kids. 
16 when, stab wounds. You really wanted them dead, didn't you? Well, Alice, Alice, it's even better. They're, they're 16 to the back, but there were 23 stab wounds total. Oh, yeah, the head. stab wounds. <laughs> yeah, the head and the neck as well, yeah. 23 stab wounds. You really wanted them dead, didn't you, Varg? <laughs> yeah. It felt threatened. When Varg heard the threat that Euronymous allegedly made against him, he took it very seriously. So if one of your trusted friends told you that your mutual friend was planning on tying you up and torturing you to death, what would you do? I'd get the fuck out of there. Honestly. Sure. Alice? Uh, I'd, I'd just remove myself from the situation. or dissociate, like, a lot. Yeah. Removing yourself from the situation, getting the fuck out of there, beta fucking move. <laughs> because Vark decided to go up to Euronymous' apartment alone. And then, according to him, I feel to stress, according to him, this story is not specifically credible, so I wouldn't trust any of this stuff I'm about to say too much here. So, Vark decided to go to Euronymous' apartment alone for the meeting about the unsigned contract. Then, according to him, Euronymous panicked, for some reason, kicked Varg in the chest, and ran towards the kitchen to get a knife. Then, in Varg's own words... Well, he's gonna have a knife, I'm gonna have a knife. I had a pocket knife, this small pocket knife. I got it up and uh, prevented him from getting into the kitchen. Well, he sure did that. Yeah. He, he, pre he prevented him 23 times. <laughs> Yeah, Mark proceeded to stab Euronymous 23 times in self-defense. You see, officer, it was just self-defense. I did not have any choice but to stab him 16 times in the back as he tried to run away from me. Now, uh, Blackthorn, the guy who drove to Oslo with Varg, had a somewhat different story to tell about all this. He said that the murder was premeditated and that Varg had pressured him into coming along for it. They'd had a third accomplice who stayed behind in Bergen to fake an alibi for Varg. The third person was to rent some movies, play them in Varg's apartment, and withdraw money from his credit card, all to make it look like Varg was having a movie night in Bergen instead of murdering a guy in Oslo eight hours away. Why didn't he stick to that story? Like, <laughs> Oh, he did stick to that story at first, but then oh, it kind yeah, of that... fell apart. Oh, and yeah. he had no choice but to switch it to the self-defense. Like, initially claimed, like, oh, I wasn't in Oslo, I was in Bergen. It fell apart, he had no choice but to go with the self-defense story right. at that point. That's, okay, so, you know you know what? This is sounding like less of a credible defense, I'm, I gotta say. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, Blackthorn says he was neither for nor against the murder, and that he didn't... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you see, I see both sides, you know? I mean, they got great points, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, he was neither a former against the murder, and he didn't give a shit about Eustain. A fucking centrist. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Blackthorn did have, like, history with Euronymous. He had good history from what I can gather. Like, the two of them kind of invented the uh, black metal tremolo picking style of guitar playing together like they were the founders of the like the this traditional black metal style of guitar playing so they like Eustain wasn't a stranger to Blackthorn like these guys knew each other but Blackthorn neither for nor against the murder didn't really give a shit about Eustain 
by admitting to being an accomplice to premeditated murder rather than just second-degree murder, Blackthorn risked a higher prison sentence. But being deeply depressed and, apath and apathetic, he admitted he couldn't really find it in him to care much. He was sentenced to eight years in prison. Hmm. Vorg got... Sorry? Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah, I want to know how, how much Vorg got. Yeah, Vorg got a... Can you guess? Is it a life sentence? Six weeks. This is in Norway, keep in Norway. mind. Norway. So is it like, yeah. I don't know, 10 years or 20 years? <laughs> Close. Vorg got a sentence of 21 years. Norway's maximum penalty. Okay, that's... that's That seems... I don't know, that, that sounds fair, I guess. I mean, it just seems a little low still, considering. You know? I mean, they, Norway, Norway, like, it goes hard on the, like, we're not trying to punish people, we're trying to, like, rehabilitate them. Like, they're, they don't want to keep anyone I mean, in for life. Like, yeah. they go hard on the thing that anyone can be rehabilitated. That's, like, their thing. With their yeah, business. I'm from the UK. Rehabilitative <laughs> justice is just an alien concept to us, you know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of... It's to a certain extent, it is here too. Like, despite being neighbors with Norway, we do not have like as chill a justice system as they do. I mean, like it in the UK. Like, well, I say the UK. It's mainly England. Like every <laughs> few years, like the most popular thing to try and get like debated in Parliament is to bring the death penalty back. That's how bloodlusty <laughs> we are. Well, and so, yeah, it's sort of it. I don't know because you know it's mainly towards you know you know my shitty country, you know directing their hatred towards minorities they don't like and you know those darn kids but in this case of this fucking eldritch piece of shit this edgy mckedgelord i think it should have been higher <laughs> the abolitionist in me is hey, gone hey, I, I do not like i do not like that you're profiling him as eldritch some yeah he doesn't deserve that title yeah you're right have standards alex some of us just want to Collect bones, go into the forest, praise Yagzafov, and that is very black metal. Just so you know. Hey everyone, it's uh, Lee here. Only Lee here. This episode ended up being very long, so I'm splitting it into two parts. Just dropping by here to tell you all that. That next part will be out next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. We'll get into the deeds of Vark's trial and the dumb shit he pulled in court, as well as the even dumber shit he pulled during his years in prison and beyond. We'll also talk a bit about what the other Mayhem members have been up to in the years following Hieronymus' death. Lots of back there as well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please do rate, comment, and subscribe. If you're on YouTube, you're also gonna wanna ring that little bell to make sure you get notified when part two is up. Anyway, that is it. Take care, and until next time, have a good one. Yeah, I'll, I'll be back in half a minute. Talking this long kind of gives me a throat ache. I just need to get a glass of water. Okay, I'll that's be, fine. I'll be right yeah. back. I'm going to, like, uh... I don't know, is it right if I, uh... If I go... Yeah? <laughs> Mitz, can I go for a wee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can take a five-minute break. Yeah, break. I need a wee. I'll be back in All a right. minute. <laughs> yeah, same. So, uh, today's episode is sponsored by absolutely getting involved in the wrong kind of things. Buy your copy now, and if you sign up, you get a free, yes, free, lifetime of regrets. 
are you are you doing are you doing your product placements again? I've warned you about this. Uh, look, I can't I'm, believe you've done this. I'm I am look I I'm doing the liberal thing and selling out <laughs> to bad things. Good. The center. Yeah, no, I was worried there for a minute. It must always be defended, never criticized. Anyway, that's why we're literally. That's why I'm literally selling out to the devil. Yeah, that's what I came back at. I, I just the first thing I heard was the phrase that I'm literally selling out to the devil. 